This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to another episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. I have a great Bruce Bud joining me today. Jay, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Jay Armstrong. I am a, uh, a rabid Bruce fan. I'm also a high school English teacher who... Uh, been teaching for the last 13 years and uh i often like to incorporate a little bit of springsteen into my uh into my literature courses very nice do you do comic books ever no no comic books sorry (laughs) no that's okay i was hoping for a double feature we made that's a different podcast you said high school english yeah i teach high school english yes I, i i teach i teach ap literature okay so i teach 12th grade Ah, very nice. And it's a pretty rigor, rigorous curriculum, and um, we have to teach the classics and essentially prepare them for a, a test at the end of the year that they can get college credit for. Okay. And Bruce Springsteen is not in the curriculum, but I yeah. always work it in any chance I can. So, what when you say the classics, what do you cover? Uh, we everything. Uh, every, I shouldn't say everything. Obviously, it's impossible to yeah. cover everything. But we start back with Shakespeare, and we do Hamlet, and uh, we work our way up through a little bit of Charles Dickens, and up into uh, more modern stuff. F. Scott Fitzgerald and um, J.D. Solinger and uh, Arthur Miller, Death of a Salesman, and we try to get right up to the modern era. Uh, we do Cormac McCarthy, if uh, you've ever heard of him. He's a modern writer, fantastic. Uh, he wrote The Road, and he also wrote No Country for Old Men. Okay. And, now, uh, I, you know, I've, I have not read those, so I will have to check them out. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's, it's astounding literature, it really is. Okay. Uh, and, and then we, we mix in a lot of poetry, and that's often where, where, where Bruce comes in. I, I have to cover a fair amount of poetry, again, going, going all the way back to Shakespearean sonnets and up to modern poetry, and 
you know, I try to work in, in, in a music as much as I can. Every once in a while, I'll pick up a few years ago, my wife got a, a book Caroline Kennedy wrote, Poems My Mom Loved. And I was going through it and I'm like, wow, some of these are really good. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I just don't have that appreciation. <clears throat> I bet that's a challenge sometime trying to make sure they connect. They're enjoying it, not just learning for the test. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's what I, I try to do. And, um, you know, anybody who's gone through the pains of high school, <laughs> um, you know, uh, oftentimes what I hear is they just they lost their love for reading or for literature. And that's kind of a shame. It, you know, the, the, the system kind of beats the love out of it. You know, now you, you have 20 somethings who, who just don't read. And that's that's sad. Why did you decide to become a teacher? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I've, I've actually written um, a fair amount of, of pieces on why I became a teacher. You know, it was one of those things that just kind of happened. Um, I didn't really plan on getting into teaching at all. Um, I, I graduated with uh, with a degree in English. Okay. Um, and what did you plan to be when you grew up, Jay? I, you know what? I, I planned to be a writer, to be okay. honest with you. Um, I had I had these kind of dreams of um, writing a novel and then selling it and mm -hmm. my wife and I moving to some island and, and just living off the royalties for the rest of my life. Not a bad dream. <laughs> no. um, at least you had a plan. Yeah, but I, I didn't realize how much work has to go into actually writing a book. Um, you know, I was kind of young and naive. Yes. So what happened was I, I graduated and um, – in May, and I basically sat around on the couch at my parents' house for a couple months. My dad said, "Well, you got a choice, kid. You either go back to school or you go to work." Yeah. And I wasn't ready to go to work. Okay. So I went back to school. I thought, well, maybe I should go back and just try teaching. Okay. And I, I actually played soccer throughout college, and I thought maybe I could go back and be a coach. And it's it, it just kind of how it happened. I just found myself in September back in school. Some things worked out for me by the end of the school year. I, I, I had a job and, um, and and I really began to enjoy teaching. Um, but, but what I've learned now yeah. that I've been teaching for 13 years is that teaching actually taught me to be a writer. Okay, and interesting. I, I now know how to write. <laughs> it okay. took me a long time to figure that out. Oh, very interesting. Go back to the beginning. Uh, I always like to start um, as the, and as in the sound of music, a very good place to start. Talk to me about your uh, how you grew up. What kind of music you listened to at your house? Uh, what year did you graduate from high school? I want to get the year, what era you're from. Sure, sure. So um, I was born in 1980 and um, born in Northeast Philadelphia. And uh, my, my parents and I, we, we had uh, basically a little tiny two-bedroom duplex. And um, I immediately fell in love with storytelling at a very young age. And I think I have to um, associate that with the, the amount of music that my father would play. And there was always music on in this little two-bedroom house that we had. And he was a big fan of The Who. And I grew up listening to Tommy. My mom and I had a had a little, you know, tradition. Every Thursday, we would her and I would go to this little pizza shop around the corner, and they had a pinball machine there. And I would tell her that I was the pinball wizard. 
And um, I, I just I really found that story fascinating, that story of Tommy. And um, The Who was the first uh, uh, concert that I ever been to, ever went to. It was in 1986. It was at the Vet, at Veteran Stadium. You know, it was uh, – I think it, that was supposed to be their final tour. And now they're still touring. So, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I I attribute my my sort of love for storytelling back to to the rock opera Tommy, and uh, my dad had and still has a very huge. Um, it it was an album collection, and then it became a CD collection. Now it's just a digital collection of music. You know, we listened to a lot of the Who, um, a lot of like. The Talking Heads, the Rolling Stones, obviously the, the Beatles, um, and, and Springsteen got mixed in there as well. But uh, he was really into a lot of a lot of British bands. Um, the Clash, yeah, believe it or not, I, I remember being six years old listening to The Clash. Um, and I, but but you know that that gave me a real fine love for for music and and then. Um, and and again, storytelling, and and so we lived there for for six years in the northeast Philadelphia, and then we moved out to a local suburb. And you know, my my parents had two more children, and uh, you know, the family began to grow from there. So, Jay, were you a fan of Harry Chapin? Uh, you know, because he is a massive storyteller in his music. I did not. I did not find out about him until much later. Okay, actually. so you have the burden of being the older brother. Yes, I am the oldest. Um, I just um, I just interviewed someone. They talked about I didn't have an older sibling to help steer me toward music. And this is a common theme in this podcast. You know, a lot of people talk about my older brother or my older sister. And it, so you had that burden to kind of help to, to be the cool cutting edge for your siblings. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And it is a burden. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want them listening to bad music. So. <laughs> right, yes. You, know. you mentioned that Springsteen got thrown in there a little bit. When did you discover the boss and at what point did you become a huge fan? It was, uh, again, in that small little two-bedroom apartment uh, that we had. We, my dad had a, had a record collection at the time. It was about 1985 or so. I can remember laying on the floor with, with the old Born to Run album spread out in front of me. I remember listening to it and, 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 and doing my best to read the sort of story that was being told there. And I just, I just found, it, I, I found it fascinating. I didn't really quite understand it. But I did something about it that that really intrigued me. You know, it was it was there where where I was hooked, and I've been hooked since. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So how many times have you seen him perform? I've seen him twice, okay. actually. Um, and I know that's not that, not that many times, uh, I, you know. Uh, but they were really two special shows. Um, I got him see, see him open Lincoln Financial Field okay. uh, in Philadelphia, which 2005. Okay. Sure, it was 05. Actually, no, no, it was 03. It was 03 that he opened the field, like the link. And then I got got to see him close the spectrum in 09. Oh, uh, nice. Which was really cool, yeah. Alpha, Omega, kind of, you know, beginning yeah. and end. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's kind of cool. That was pretty cool, yeah. Uh, Wendy Parnell, who wrote uh, Johnny 99, a uh, picture book based on Bruce Springsteen lyrics, has been on the show. And she talked about that she doesn't think it's fair – to use the number of times you've seen Bruce as a yardstick on how 
much you love his music and because of circumstances. And I totally agree with that. So, um, you know, I've had people on the show that have never seen him live just due to circumstances. And but, you know, their fandom is just as strong. And then, you know, I've had the other thing where I had Ollie. Uh, you know, that's she's hit 263 shows as of now. So, you know, it, it just all depends. Are you going to see him on this tour with the river? I, I don't think so. He, I, they were actually just in Philadelphia, I think last yeah. weekend. Yeah, yes. I, I didn't get a chance to see him. Okay. Do you have children? I do. I have three children. Yes. Okay. Ages. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm yeah. not going to get a chance yeah. to see him. What are their ages? <laughs> Uh, uh, seven, five, and two. That's right. I was just reading the basketball uh, story. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank on you. the website, yeah. uh, which we're going to get to a little bit. Um, so is there um, an album or a song that means a great deal to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was preparing a bit here for our conversation, okay, and I was – I mean, I, I was going through these songs and um, I mean, there's just so many of them. But when it comes when I boil down to one, it has to be Thunder Road. And, and that may come off sounding cliche, um, but but that just song, it still blows me away. And it's it's the song I've probably listened to more than any song in my entire life. Um, I totally agree with you. I had seen him seven times and. Uh, had never heard him do Thunder Road Live. Okay. I'm like, gosh, I can't believe. And and this tour, he's playing it often, and it's just one big sing-along, Jay. I mean, yeah, it's just I, so cool. It, it really, it really is. And, and I and I thought, you know, I, I thought a lot about this song and why it means so much. And yeah. I, and I think because, you know, I remember listening to it when I was 17. Yes. And I remember driving in a car and. You know, it's a town full of losers and, you know, there's a, there's an angst and an urgency that I think when you're a teenager, you get. And now that I'm in my mid thirties and I have children and I'm a little bit more reflective on life and I've, I've listened to that song be played in many variations and I'm sure you have too, when you hear them played in a slower version, it, it has a different feel to it. And, yes. you know, and I respect that greatly. And in fact... I prefer the slower versions now than than the original studio version. Maybe that's just because right. I'm older. But um, I feel like that song kind of grows with you. You know, I think I totally agree with you. The first time I saw it, it's the end of the Dallas show, and everyone was going off stage. And it was a very hit-centric show. Mm -hmm. He played both Glory Days and Dancing in the Dark, which is something he normally doesn't do. But I think Bruce was wise enough to know, you know, this is an audience that is not necessarily here to see me. This is just – it's a free show for the basketball. So he did a lot of hits, and it was a beautiful show because it was – there wasn't a big crowd. It was a great venue. The sound was amazing. And as people were walking off, he gestured to Patty to stay, and he did Thunder Road just by himself on the guitar – with her singing kind of harmony. Mm -hmm. And it was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And, and you know, it is beautiful to hear the band play it. But yeah. there is something, I don't know if you've seen Storytellers. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I, that version of Thunder Road gets me every time. I, you, absolutely, yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, and, and talking about you're on a journey, and I hope you, you know, have people who you love. And, and just, I, I'm, I, so I totally agree with you. It is a song that grows with you. My wife does not like it because she thinks it's about settling. <laughs> um, that, hey, I don't have anyone, you don't have anyone, let's get together. As a literary person, I'll put you on the spot, do you agree with that assessment, or is that just one version of how you could read the story? No, I, I mean, there, there are many ways to analyze that song, um, and, I, and, I, I, and I can see her point that it, it is settling, hey, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you all right, I, you know, you know I, I, I totally get that. Um, but I think in, in the totality of, of the song, it's, it's about moving and it's about um, getting out of this place. And I don't know if this place is a literal place. It, it could be like a metaphorical place. You know, let, let's get out of here. But I, but I think at, at times in our lives, we do settle because um, we can't run anymore. And it. And, and to, to bring that to my point, if you take a look at the song The Promise, which right. is kind of Thunder Road Part 2, yes. there's a lot of settling going on there. There is. You know, my theory is that, you know, this is – we've had a lot of dreams. You know, he talks about all the boys you've turned away mm -hmm. and, you know, all the promises are broken. And I just picture almost – Julia Roberts scene in Notting Hill where she says, you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy telling, wanting him to like me or whatever. And I just picture this guy saying, I, I think we could be happy together. Mm -hmm. I think we could make, make it together if we do this. And, and there's a beauty to that. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be perfect. No. And nothing ever is. No, and it, so yeah, I, I agree with you. It is. I listen to the sports station a lot. Living in Dallas, I'm a Cowboy fan, and and you know, and sorry and, to hear that. Yeah, I know. That's what. Uh, <laughs> that's what. That's what the Philly Elvis said. Nick goes. I never thought I'd be friends with a Cowboy fan. I said the magic of Bruce. It it takes across all things. A couple years ago, they're interviewing Joe Montana, mm -hmm. and he gets off. They, you know, hang up with him and they go, gosh, what a nice guy. And what, you know, he was personable. He was funny. And they said, OK, he married Miss Universe, you know, <laughs> you know Miss World, not the prettiest girl in the neighborhood, right, you know, the right. prettiest girl in the world. And if he's not the greatest quarterback of all time, he's in the discussion. Mm -hmm. So I always think of Thunder Road. If Thunder Road isn't one of the greatest rock songs ever written yeah and bruce's greatest song it's in the discussion yeah it has to be yeah it really does absolutely yeah. anything else that uh, means a lot to you well about that song um i mean i i teach it in class as as a poem and we analyze it and we break it down and we look for themes and we look at literary devices and my students always – they really enjoy the song. For some of them, they, they're familiar with it. For some of them, it's, it's a brand-new experience, which I'm sort of shocked at. But, you know, um, and they get it. 
they get the urgency. And I think they, 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 it's sort of like a battle cry, if you will, for, for a younger person. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love it because of that, that sort of energy and that urgency. Uh, but as I'm, I'm older now, and, and again, I look at the lyrics and I, and I think about it a little bit different than let's say a 17 year old. I really like, look at, look at the line, like, you know, I got this guitar and I learned how to make it talk. And I mean, it's, it's an absolutely stunning line because Bruce is announcing what he, what he's good at. He's going to give it a shot. And I, and I thought about that as an older, as I've gotten older of how many people kind of let their dreams go or just, I don't want to take a shot. I don't want to take a risk. And that now when I'm now when I look at that song, I see this guy's taking a risk and for better or worse, he's going to give it a shot. You know, now with my website, I, I've, I've communicated with with a, with a lot of people in all different ages and from all over the, all over the world. And I've heard from a lot of older people, uh, people twice my age who were said, you know what? I wish I wish I did what you did, or or I wish I wish I wrote down my stories, um, but I never did. And for me, that's 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 kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. One of the highlights have been to me has been Independence Day. In the introduction, Bruce is talking about that when he wrote this, he was a young man, and all he could see is the compromises that his father had made. And the dreams he'd abandoned. Yeah. And the implication is now at 66, I'm looking at it from the other perspective. And I've made compromises. It's you're not as judgmental. And so I think to you're right in that a lot of his lyrics, like in Thunder Road and other things, he's he's addressing that. And. It is sad that some people don't tell their stories and they don't <laughs> pursue their dreams, even in little ways. Yeah. And, and you, you know, the one thing that, that I've noticed, too, throughout not just not just, let's say, the Born to Run album, but on yeah. most of his album, I think I think from Born to Run all the way up to the present, um, there's that idea of being born. You're, you're yeah. born into this life. Um, you see it there on Born to Run and on, definitely on Darkness of the Edge of Town, yeah. even in the river, the song in the river itself. And we're all sort of <laughs> – we had no decision yeah. <laughs> that we were going to come into this world. And, and, and you know, we have to make compromises. And um, you're, you're right though. With, with Independence Day, um, the shall we say the young narrator looking at his father and – being very critical of the choices that his father made. But those those choices were for the, the narrator's benefit. Yes. And, you know? and you know, one of the things Bruce talked about is that the narrator and the father, Bruce and his father, loved each other but didn't know how to say it. Right. You know, right. and that is one of the things that I, as a father – I always made it very – I admitted to Chris when I was wrong, yeah. and I was quick to apologize to him. And I'd say, I was human. I lost my temper. I shouldn't have yelled at you. 
mm. or I got angry over something silly. And I don't want you to be afraid. Um, one of the things that made my wife and I have a tough time growing up is that I, my career is customer service, which like teaching, I just kind of stumbled into it. And so my career has been looking for ways to say yes. I mean, that's when you really throw into customer services, client has a problem, you got to fix it. I look for a way to say yes. Mm. So I did that as a dad, you know, like mm -hmm. my 15, 16 year old son, I want to go to this party. Linda's like, no. I'm like, well, you know, let's, what can we do to, you know, what yeah. would make you feel more comfortable, Linda? What will you do to make sure your mom is comfortable? And Linda's like, no, I'm the mom. We're just saying no. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about your website. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the, the website is, is right on fight on.org. Um, you know what? It's something I never thought I would do. Um, but in terms of writing and in um, the publication world has changed drastically in 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 years. Um, you no longer have to sit around and wait for a publishing company to, to knock on your door, which they would never do anyway, um, to say, hey, you, you want to send us your book? And um, I kind of got tired of waiting around. And I just figured, you know what? what Better the heck? days, right? Waiting for what? my life to begin while it's all slipping away. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, let's just do it, you know. Um, and there was there was motivation behind it. Um, in 2013, um, I, I hit this really tough spot in my life. Um, my my son was born in July uh, of 2013. Uh, my father was in the hospital with Legionnaires' disease. And um, uh, everything just kind of came crashing down on me. Um, actually, I should also say I was in grad school at the time and um, I became sick and um, I, had, I became very weak, dizzy. Um, I had trouble walking. I had no idea what was wrong with me. I went and got an MRI. Of, I went to my local uh, – my, my doctor and told him and he said, let's get an MRI. And they found that I had um, cerebellum degeneration. Essentially, part of my brain was deteriorating. And they didn't know why. And <clears throat> essentially, that began a probably a four-month stretch of me being tested for everything from cancer to Huntington's disease to Lou Gehrig's disease. And that was tough. <laughs> that, was, that was really tough. I mean – Doctors were just shaking their heads, and and I went from my little local doctor all the way down to Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia to see the big doctors, and they were just like, we don't know what to tell you. And I mean, there was there was there it, it was it was intense. Um, I had genetic testing done to see if they could find out what was causing this, and um, that came back negative. I went for about a year and a half of. Um, not knowing what I had. And uh, believe it or not, I, I was diagnosed after a muscle biopsy in uh, 2014. I was diagnosed with a autoimmune disorder known as sarcoidosis. And that causes inflammation throughout the body. Now, the weird thing is, <clears throat> it doesn't cause the brain damage that I have. 
So as I sit here in front of you, I actually have two rare disorders. And the doctors cannot link them up at all. And I've seen doctors down at the National Institute of Health down in Bethesda, Maryland, which is like the epicenter of all things medicine. And those doctors couldn't figure me out. That's kind of a long story, very no, short. No, no, no. I'm glad you – yeah, I'm, I, and I'm glad yeah. you shared it. But um, I, I felt like I had to share that story because that ultimately was the catalyst for me starting the website. You know, and um, I, I want to hear about that. But the other thing I think is really, I think, important, it sounds like you're going, okay, not only do I want to stretch myself creatively, but I want to leave a part of myself, right? Uh, not absolutely. to put words in your mouth, but okay. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Um, it, like I said, it, it was scary for a time. Um, yeah. You know, when doctors are telling you, we don't know what it is and you should get your affairs in order. And I was 33 years old and I mean, my son was just a few months and, you know, um, there was a lot of unknowns. And when I got through it all. And, um, and yeah. you have to be strong for your wife. Yes. And the kids. Yeah. And and I'm sure they were wonderfully supportive, but it, it's got to be a burden. Yeah, and and you know it was it was it was tough was because my family was incredibly supportive, but no one knew what to do or say. Right, and and I didn't expect them to, and because I, yeah. I didn't know what to do, and so we found ourselves at the bar a lot, which probably wasn't the best, but it was the way we could cope with it. Yeah, um, because nobody had an answer. Mm-hmm. And I went through about um, almost a year and a half half stretch of just not knowing what was going to happen. And and the doctors sort of given me the worst, like, hey, you know, um, at any moment your vision could go. Uh, You know, at any moment you could go paralyzed in one side of your body. And it it was rough. I'm not going to lie to you, you know. Oh, I imagine. And all the while I'm I'm, I'm trying to hold down a job because I need benefits. And yeah. I need money, and, yeah. I, and I'm trying to raise three children and, and run a household. So, yeah, it was, it, and at the same time, it was in grad school too. Um, and and you know when when I was when I was going through things, um, and and again, I was trying to stay in grad school because I thought it would it would it would you know keep me busy. Um, and eventually, I got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And I told my wife one night, and I said, "Look, I'm I'm dropping out." And uh, and she began to cry, and she thought it was sort of me giving up. And in fact, it wasn't. It was actually, I think, me getting started because I realized I didn't want to be in grad school, and I didn't want to get. Uh, I didn't want to become a principal. Um, I wanted to be a writer. And I, I've said before that getting sick has has been the best thing for me. Um, it was the kick in the butt that I absolutely needed. And to, to kind of go back to, to what we were talking about earlier with, with Bruce and with Thunder Road, um, if, I, if I didn't get sick and if I stayed in grad school and I got a degree and I became a principal and I got a nice job and I had a nice office, that would have been nice and it would have paid the bills. But I would not have been happy. Right. And I would have found myself, I really think several years from now, thinking about what I should have done. And um, – you know, and and that that ultimately led led up led me to building the website and just saying, all right, let's get on with living at this point. Oh, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> um, you know, one of the 
one of the things that I love is Heaven Will Allow, and I've always thought of that as a pretty fun love song, but uh, there was a guy on Lynette Corella's website who talked about that um, he had cancer and he was fighting it, and he said he played over and over again the lines, now some may want to die young man, young and gloriously, get it straight now, mister, hey buddy, that ain't me. Because I got something on my mind that sets me straight and walking proud, and I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. And when I heard that story, I went, wow, you know, Bruce's music is, and, and not just Bruce, but because it's a Bruce podcast, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> you know, you can take these words that he may have no thought sure. that that's what it was going to be. I think of the great Isaac Asimov told a story once that he was in a lecture hall and a student argued with him about the purpose of his story. And Dr. Asimov went back and said, no, that's not right. And the student said, what makes you think you know what your story's about? <laughs> and Asimov goes, I think you're right. You know, and so I think, you know, Bruce could say the same thing. That isn't what I meant, but whatever message you take from it is fine. Um, so you're you like, okay, I'm ready for my life to begin. I'm going to start um, to to really go full forward with our pop culture references, get busy living or get busy dying, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And so you're like, okay, that's it. I'm going to write. So that's it. What did you, what was the first thing you wrote? First thing I wrote was a story called The Wake. And it essentially is a tribute to my father. And um, it's a story I carried around in my head for, for a long time. And I never, I, never, I never got a chance to tell him about it. And now to go back to what we were talking about earlier about Independence Day and, you know, not that my father and I ever had a rift like the characters in that story. But I think um, it's often hard for a, for, for a young man, for a son to express how he's really feeling to his father, I think, when they get to a certain age. My boys are young right now and they, they, they give me unsolicited hugs and kisses and all that. And I know that's going to stop at some point. And that, you know, that's tough. You got you to you digest that as a, as a dad, that that's going to stop. Now, Jay, I'm going to give you hope. Um, <laughs> Chris and Linda, you know, fought like cats and dogs by the time he was junior high, all during high school, first two, three years of college. And then he slowly started figuring it out. He's now 27 and is absolutely a joy. Yeah. He yeah. hugs and kisses me every time he sees me. Um, he he is good to his mom. He is just as loving and as affectionate as he is when he was a six or seven year old. So well, it's good to know. So yeah. Now I won't t that middle part is really tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now hopefully, are you guys Eagles fans? Yes. Yeah. We okay. are. Okay. Um, Cowboy games. Friday Night Lights and Veronica Mars to time ourselves were the three things that kept us going. And during college, he would call me during Cowboy Games, but all during high school, even no matter how bad we were fighting, he was there every Sunday watching the game with me. Right. And now then that he's graduated and he's lived back home 
every Sunday he comes over and we watch the Cowboy games together, which is very depressing right now. But <laughs> it's, it's not much better up here. Yes, so. absolutely. So <laughs> if you got that, you've got that thing where you also have that connection. So yeah, yeah. So I I, I wrote that story. Uh, that story was about um, maybe I was 13 years old and it was in eighth grade and um. I mean, ultimately, it was about a baseball game. Uh, it was our championship game, and we went on to win. I went on to score the winning run. Um, you know, it's a bit of a cliche story, but it's a very real story. And um, I, I was I was leading off the, the bottom of, of the inning, and we were tied. And my dad was down the first baseline. And I can still remember this clear as day. Uh, I mean, I, w- I was scared. I was nervous. Big pressure situation for a little guy. And um, I looked down at my dad, and there was two strikes on me. And uh, he, he just he knelt in the grass. And I can still see this as I'm telling you now. And the sun was at his back, and he was much younger at that point. And he winked at me. And, uh, you know, I don't, people often talk about <laughs> – not believing in symbols or anything like that. But I tell you what, Jesse, um, that wink has got me through a lot of tough times. Yeah, I can imagine. I can see that. Dream Baby Dream is that for us. Yeah. And uh, there's a long story, and I won't share it now, but that's kind of been a little symbol for us. Um, I can only imagine that pressure and that anxiousness of you and to see your dad wink and go, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's unconditional yeah. love. Yeah. You know. And and, and fortunately, um, I, I got on base. I, I, I hit a little dribbler in between the, the pitcher and, and the second baseman. Got on base, uh, rounded the bases uh, a few batters later, scored the wing run. And, um, and, and, you know, when I was younger, it was more of a story of, of – me scoring the winning run, but as I've gotten older, I've I've looked back at that and um, how that was a really a pivotal moment. And and the reason is because of this. I wrote that story first because that was like my dad giving me the oh, it's okay, kid. Whatever it whatever happens, um, I got your back. And you know that 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 story was the first one I wrote, and I had to write it. Because it was a tribute to my father, but it also was sort of me say my father saying to me, "Go for it. Whatever happens, I love you." And and that was the first story I wrote. And um, I, you know, he he actually called me um, when he read it, and I don't know. I, I maybe seen him cry a few times in my entire life, and he called me and. Um, when I picked up the phone, uh, he was crying and it was awesome, you know, because I knew in that moment how, how proud he was of what I had done. Well, um, I'm as, as you guys can, you guys can't tell, but Jay and I are on a video conference and I am tearing up, uh, <laughs> I, both as a son and as a father, uh, I can just see that. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so what a lot of people ask me, um, specifically my lovely bride, where do you find these people that you talk to? And I said, just everywhere. But I specifically found you because 
I don't know where someone posted. I think it was on Facebook, but um, five things Bruce Spring, five life lessons Bruce Springsteen taught me. Yes, and I loved that so much. And Thank so you. I reached out to you and said, "Hey, is it okay if I post this on my LinkedIn page?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, and then I said, "Hey, do you want to join me on the podcast?" And you were kind enough to say yes. Um, why, obviously you love Bruce, but what made you think about doing this life lessons from that perspective? Well, and I'm sorry, yeah. is this my, is this my version of where do you get your ideas, Mr. Ryder? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know what? I, I mean, I, I have, a, I just have a love of, of language and, um, you know, for for some people, uh, music is music, and 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 I get it. You know, just something to 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 bounce around to. Um, and I have songs that I like that that are just that that I just kind of, again, not not very gracefully, but bounce but bounce around to. Um, but with Bruce, I always thought that there was a certain depth to him, um, and and for some reason, his lyrics just kind of just kind of hang out in my head for a while. And, um, you know, as, as a writer and as a blogger, I'm always trying to look for ideas. And we were doing Thunder Road in class. And I was just thinking about sort of all the messages that were there in, in that song alone. And I just started just kind of going through some of his other lyrics and just thinking about these, these sort of messages that, that are there. Um, in that article that you're referring to, I, I didn't use Thunder Road because I didn't want to be cliché. Um, but so, so I, I just started going through his lyrics and I just started pulling out lines that I'm like, man, there is, there is some thematic depth to those lines and it's yeah, just and, involved. And, and I'm not going to have you read them though. We may reschedule another one and just talk about this Yeah, because totally. I think it'd be good. Um, Rob Carmack is one of the co-hosts of Bruce Springsteen scenes, the alphabet, he and J.B. Clark are going through every Springsteen song alphanumerically. Okay. So, you know, starting up and um, and he is a pastor. Mm-hmm. And then I had Rabbi Burke last week with me, and I've reached out to both of them saying, hey, um, do you want to do a group show of our Springsteen Ten Commandments? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of not being sacrilegious, but the idea of kind of your five life lessons, yeah. uh, similar to that, um, because there are a lot of depths. Um, you know, like one of the things I would have said, someday we'll all look at this and it'll be funny, is a good thing to remember that no matter how bad things are now, with time and distance, you know, you might be able to laugh about it. Um, I, I, I absolutely adored this article. Um, and, and I also want to give credit to you, Jay, that you didn't just throw the lyrics out, but you really gave some in-depth expansion on them. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really love your writing and I, I have specifically stayed away from the website because I wanted to feel fresh us interviewing. Yeah. But I know now I'm definitely going to read um, the story, uh, you know, 
the wink first yeah and then other things that's that's going to be great yeah no no i i appreciate it thank you um was there any besides thunder road was there any bruce song that you used for strength along with your family and you know all the love you've got was there something that you yeah. like for example i kept playing better days during my sabbatical you know sit there you know waiting for my ship to come in no it this is your life you got to be where you are now and enjoy this journey how about you yeah um it was wrecking ball i mean yes. i i played wrecking ball over and over again uh when I when that. i was when i was going through my 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 tough stretch there um give me your best shot let's yeah. see what you got yeah, I mean it's it's all right there. Um, it is, and he he actually he played that um, uh, when for it was actually written for the Meadowlands when they were where they were tearing it down. Um, but he played a variation of that at the Spectrum um, in in those final days of the Spectrum. So, but 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 just that that song. There's just a toughness to that song. That that I I just really love and and um, building or a stadium and 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 just and a human being. I mean, it's 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 all right there, and you know, and and Bruce wrote that as obviously a little bit older, um, you know, and and there's a lot of humanity in that song. Like I've been through some stuff. You're not going to break me, you know, and, and that was the thing, um, you know. When you when you go through some sort of trial or tribulation, and you make it out, you realize you're, you're tougher than you thought you were. You know, uh, Dave Marsh um, said that when he heard this, he said, "Oh, this is Bruce's answer to turning fifty, or you know, because you know, <laughs> right, you know, fifty-five right. or whatever." And I and I do agree with that. I I think it's it's a really powerful song and well done um this has just been amazing i i just appreciate it a lot i i do um if you get a chance to see him on this tour or the next one is there anything special you want him to hear you want him to play um i love i love no surrender um I, I, I just, you know, I, I didn't know the the Born in the USA album gets a bit of a bad rap, rap, you know, a commercial album. I, I get it, um, but but the no the no surrender song. Um, I'm sure you've 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 heard it stripped down. Um, again, very much like Thunder Road in a sense, where like you have these. You know the young faces growing old kind of thing. That's really just it sticks with me. Um, and God. I will tell you, Jay, how many people um, we have. I've had so many people join me, and Anita talked about she's from France, and her nephew uh, Oscar died very young. And so they have Oscar's Angels and that they raise money for children, you know, infants with serious illness and no retreat, no surrender. Um, I hear so many cancer survivors and people fighting cancer using that song. Um, and, 
you know, I, I just I do get the snobs of uh, sometimes we Bruce fans cannot forget the joy of some of these songs and uh, you know, and they roll their eyes when they're waiting on a sunny day, but you know, the kids having a blast when Bruce brings them up, I, you know, it just, yeah. So that's uh, cool. Um, And, and one, one, one other one too. Um, My my wife and I, we, we met when we were 15 Okay, and um, our first date, we went to the movies and we saw Jerry Maguire and the song from Jerry Maguire is Secret Garden. Right. And I, I've never seen him. I, he's never played. He, I, yeah. I've only seen him twice, but um, I don't know how often he plays that song. Right. I don't know either, but that would be pretty sweet. Oh, uh, yeah, because I, I mean, we were, we were just started dating and, you know, we were we were in love yeah. and we were playing that song on a cassette and driving around, you know, and listen to that song and uh, on, on the B side of that or the back side of that that cassette was a stripped down version of Thunder Road and I would play that and my wife was my girlfriend at the time was like I don't get it and yeah <laughs> what what don't you get yeah. you know <laughs> so yeah um Secret Garden uh yeah. has a little special place in my heart I imagine um, I made the mistake once of someone giving me a bootleg that had an early version of Thunder Road that just wasn't right, you know, and I was trying to play it to my wife. See how this, you know, it, Mary works and whatever name he had it. And, yeah, and you know, yeah, and, and yeah. she's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm like, OK, why did I try? Um <laughs> Jay, tell us where we can find you. Where's what's the website's um, sure. uh, URL, and where can we find you? You can find me at www.rightonfighton.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rightonfighton, okay. um, and that's right on W R I T E. Right. Yes. Um, that's where you can find me. And um, I will put the links in the show notes. Um, in a couple of weeks, I, I would like you to come on and maybe we'll just do, um, maybe I'll do my five, you know, one of my favorite things, um, cause I'm all over the board, but they had a, for the signal, which is a podcast about Firefly, they said Firefly in five lines. Um, and you had to pick five lines from the show that explained why you love the series. And um, and that was so much fun. So um, maybe in a couple of weeks we can do uh, the. You've already done your homework. You've got your five <laughs> songs, but maybe I could get five license life license, and we go back and forth. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that would that would be awesome. Thank yeah, you. totally. Very good. This is just wonderful. If you want to be on set, lusting Bruce, and share your Springsteen story. Uh, please reach out to us at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at setlustingbruce. I am at Jesse Jackson DFW, and we appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. It really does make a difference when people find us. Jay, thank you so much. I'm so 
glad I got to meet you. I am glad you're – how is your health now? Good, good. good. Um, you know what? You, you, I came through. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got on the right medication. Good. Um, so I, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. Good. I, I really am. It's not going to be a surprise, but uh, we're going to end with now when all this steel and these stories, they drift away to rust and all our youth and beauty, it's been given to the dust. When the game has been decided and we're burning down the clock and all our little victories and glories have turned into parking lots, when your best hopes and desires are scattered through the wind and hard times come and hard times go. Hard times come and hard times go. Yeah, just come again. Bring on your wrecking ball. Bring on your wrecking ball. Come on and take your best shot. Let's see what you've got. Bring on your wrecking ball. And I say you've taken the wrecking ball and you're living with it. And you're bouncing back and I'm I'm proud to call you friend already. Yeah, no, I greatly appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you All very right. much. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. I love how sometimes they push you in a way that you something bad really turns out to be good. Like, right, you said being sick yeah. made a difference, and that's just a great story. Yeah, yeah, you, you know. Um, it was funny. Uh, again, when I was sick and, I, and, and, you know, I was in grad school, and it just felt wrong. I, I, I don't really know how else to explain it. Um, I, I think we all have a voice inside of us that kind of tells us, you know, what we want. and But oftentimes that gets muted because of other voices or other pressures. And, and it just felt – it felt wrong. Um, and then I said, screw it. We're, we're going to write. And, and, and um, that really has made all the difference, you know. I'm doing better, uh, I think, because of the medication, but I also think I'm doing better because I'm in a better place. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. 
Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.